and welcome back to another episode of Wealthy UK. This week, I've got Gabrielle Mercado from Realize on the show with me. It's great to have you here, uh, Gabrielle. I'm really looking forward to having a chat with you today. Uh, and for those of you out there that are listening uh, and, and want to know what Realize is, Realize is a data-driven platform that helps provide a comprehensive overview of the UK market. And I'm sure uh, Gabrielle will dig a bit deeper into the explanation of Realize, but to give you a general idea, they gather a lot of data uh, on the UK property market and provide some really good information for groups like ourselves and anyone out there looking to invest in the UK market and provide a really good overview of the market. But it's great to have you here uh, and thank you for joining me. How are things going? Thanks, Chris. Well, thanks for the invite. Um... Yeah, things are going very well. I think you, the description you gave is, is spot on. Yeah, we're a, a real estate data analytics business. So development companies, investment companies, lenders, consultants, anyone that wants to understand what's going on in, in UK residential property from you know, whether it's they're interested in pricing and rents and, and demographic trends, asset ownership, we have all that data and we put it together in a nice, hopefully easy to use platform. Uh, You'll have to, to comment on the ease of use. I'm quite used to it, but I think you're relatively good. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, I, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a no. It's a great platform. I um I actually had a, a demo with one of your team members on Thursday last week. Um, Natalia, if you're out there and listening, thank you for running me through the demo last week. But it's a great platform, uh, and um, it provides a lot of great information, especially when we're looking at trends that we've been experiencing in the UK since really the start of the pandemic. More, I guess, it's more relevant. Uh, for people out there considering investments at the moment, but can also provide that historical data and give you a good overview uh, of what is happening in the UK. But just uh, just for people who are listening out there and maybe curious about how it all started, but how did you come up with the idea to to create the platform? What really drove you to to create Realize? I'd love to say it was a light bulb moment, but it, it took a bit of time. Uh, I started off working originally. I worked in in finance and hedge funds and that sort of thing. And then I went to work in property development at some very big companies. And after a few years of doing that, it just kind of struck me that these big companies were trying to make investment decisions with information that I just felt really wasn't good enough. So a bit of tinkering around, um, started to build something for, for us to use internally in one of the companies I was working at. And then after, I want to say about a year or so, thought, well, hold on a minute, there must be other people that have got this problem. Maybe there's a product in here. Perfect. It's uh, that's interesting. It's uh, well, it's uh, yeah, definitely a very handy tool, uh, and, and something that I think a lot of people out there will get a lot of use out of, uh, a lot of value from it as well. It's definitely going to play a big part in our uh, business growth. I can imagine uh, we're pulling apart trends and market trends in these areas that we are focusing on at the moment. But to talk about these trends at the moment, what sort of uh, shift or movement? Have you seen in the UK in terms of property? Sure. Well, the the pandemic has obviously created a lot of different changes, accelerated some things, slowed other things down. Um, that's kind of obvious and a bit of a given now. But digging into it, I think one of the interesting things there's a um, kind of a reasonably large increase in planning applications that are being processed this year compared to the previous year. Um, but interestingly, there's a lot of uh, tightness in the construction market. I think that's a kind of a global phenomenon. It's not just the UK that's experiencing that. So there's a sort of question mark of all these new developments that are being put through planning. And I was looking specifically at large ones uh, ahead of this call. 
um, are they actually going to have the materials in place and the suppliers in place to be able to deliver them? Or is that constrained development market that existed in 2020 going to carry through, but just for a different set of reasons? I think that's sure. kind of a, an interesting thing to look out for. And, and yeah, probably more this year. Definitely, I agree. As construction costs are going up, material—it's harder to source materials in this day and age now. Um, and I think it goes back to almost the, the the roots of when you're looking at an investment and the importance of having a strong development group or a builder behind each development as well. And I think that's got an even stronger part to play at the moment because you don't want to be dealing with, you know, uh, let's say a small family-run development business. They're relatively new to the to the industry and don't have a great deal of track record. Whereas when you're dealing with these more reputable development groups, I think they're, they're definitely gonna have a bigger part to play in the current market, as we've seen, as you've mentioned that, that shifts through construction costs and, and materials as well. Um, yeah. It's a, I think- What I've heard is, oh, sorry, sorry to jump in there. It's just that I had a <laughs> subject this morning. And it, was, it was interesting because it's not necessarily to do with the size of the company. It seems to be about how the, the, the contractors have negotiated their own contracts with their suppliers is more right. the determining factor of where, whether or not construction is going to be delayed or successful. But if yeah. at some point along the chain, someone's got you know, variable pricing, then all of a sudden you discover that the, you know, the guy that's doing the woodwork or the company that's doing the woodwork hasn't locked in pricing with their supplier and now they can't deliver. That's yeah. where the issue is. And that can be a big company, a small company, anyone that's in true. between. It's uh, everyone take, trying to get their cut from the cut from the pie almost. <laughs> everyone want to get their hands involved. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. But and then when we're looking at buyers' appetite and, and purchasers' appetite, has there been a shift um, with what people are looking to purchase now? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think everyone's sort of familiar with the the news flow that has been out and about around you know people looking for outside space and moving to suburbs or more rural locations. That's that's definitely true. And we've seen that in, in the data. You know, people are putting a premium on balconies, on gardens, uh, on having that extra bedroom. Um, it does seem to have quietened down a little bit since the kind of the lockdown period in the UK has, has ended, touch wood. Yeah, uh, exactly. In the, I, think, I think there's some people that perhaps moved out for a few months to the countryside now going, actually, we kind of want to go back into town again. It's, yeah, it's funny that I was actually just on the phone to a real estate agent just before, and he mentioned that exact point, um, saying yeah. that now his inquiry for, for London real estate has gone back through the roof. And everyone calling him up 12, 18 months ago saying, I want to sell my house, I want to move out of London, is now calling him up again saying, I'm a bit bored of the countryside. Let's uh, let's go back right. to the hustle and bustle. We want the action, which is fair enough. I, I can see where they come from. Look at. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the same goes from a rental perspective as well. I'm looking to, to move flats at the moment, hence the phone call. And I said to him, we're looking mm -hmm. for something that has some outdoor space. We want a, you know, a little garden, a patio, a balcony, whatever it may be. But for properties with those uh, inclusions, with that little bit of outdoor space, the prices of them are you know, not significant, but you're looking at a slightly more uh, or slightly increased price or rental price on, on these properties. Um, and at mm -hmm. the same time, it's creating more of a competitive uh, rental market for those properties. They're not staying on the market very long. Um, you know, in yeah. most cases, seven to 10 days from what he was telling me. And it's it goes to show that it, the importance of having that outdoor space for people that live in these major cities, be it London or, or Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, but they want that connect or want some an aspect of their property that is 
the outdoors be uh, on the back of a park if you're in a building that doesn't have apartments or having that outdoor space close by. So I think that it's going to be interesting to see how that mindset continues to play a part in in the growth of the UK real estate market. And, and if we'll continue to have that kind of mindset to, you know, that it's a key requirement that we need outdoor space. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, yeah, how, how that does shape out. And if developers also in the future begin to cater their plans and think, all right, maybe we knock 10 square meters off the internal space and, and create a little outdoor or 10 square meter balcony, whatever it may be. But uh, I think that's going to be an interesting one to, to watch for the next yeah, few months, years, uh, and see how it does unfold. Now, when you guys are, when Realizer are looking at the data and, and, and trying to, you know, let's say, report these, uh, these trends that we are seeing in the market at the moment, is there things within the data that you generally gravitate towards or, or you feel are most indicative of what's happening in the market at the moment? So we've got about seven or 800 different different data sets. Um, and I think everyone in the team has got their own favorites and users have got their own favorites. I've got my own favorites that I tend to look at, um, but you know, it could be different for everybody. So I tend to look at the rental yields uh, in order to understand, you know, is, is this market likely to be an area that is going to attract investors to it? I.e., it's got high yields, you know, everything else being constant. Let's imagine that for a second. Yeah. And are those yields changing? You know, are the yields, you know, are they always, are they just at 7% and that's how it's been through all time because that market's got something in it that means that they can never go higher or lower? Or, you know, is it at 7% and declining because prices are going up because that area is becoming more attractive, for example. That, I think, is really interesting. Um, time on market. So, you know, you're talking about the, the agent saying, it's, you know, 7 to 14 days. Like, yeah. that's great. That's getting like a hot market for that type of property. So the same thing, I'd look at the time on market. How long is it taking to sell particular types of property in a particular area? And that'll change from location to location. So it's a great measure of, you know, what's the demand like really yeah definitely. Uh, and then more recently one that i've started looking at uh, i didn't previously look at it too much but is the number of planning applications in an area and the size of them are they big enough to actually is there enough of them and are they big enough to really change the characteristics of an area because we've seen that if you have you know these big you get these big urban regeneration uh schemes that go on but the interesting thing that we found is that they obviously have a, not necessarily obviously, but they have a knock-on impact on all of the existing properties that are around there. Yeah. So you get a huge new development and then that, you know, maybe brings the value of an area up and that actually has an impact on the Victorian three-bed terraced house around the corner. Yeah. That goes up as well beyond what it would have done ordinarily. So that's true. Those are three that's interesting things point. That is an interesting point. Going back to your uh, your point about yields, and I think that's a, a great thing to also watch. But um, has you know, in let's if we were just talking your Birmingham's, Liverpool's, Manchester's, and you know those emerging cities in the UK more so mm -hmm. than Liverpool. But have you been monitoring how those yields have been behaving since the the start of the pandemic, or is there any insight that you can give us there into into their shifts or their trends over the last 18, 24 no. months? So one of the interesting things that I, I noticed a little while back was that cities like Birmingham and Manchester and Leeds and Liverpool were operating in a totally different way to London. 
um, okay. and in a different way to many other areas. So London, let's just take prices as a simple example, property prices, they did like a U-shape. So they, you know, they were going up, they were either going up or flat, whatever they were just before the pandemic, and then they went down and then they came back up again to the same sort of level. Right. Outside of London, specifically in the suburbs, during this kind of U-shaped period, that's when all the prices and rents went through the roof. Right. But what was interesting, because all these people were moving out of London and, and going into these into the suburbs there. Of course. What was interesting in, in Birmingham and Manchester, et cetera, was that they actually just consistently kept going up. It was like nothing had happened. Wow. And I was looking at it like, really? It's bizarre. What's going on? And just, you know, they just keep on, keep on going, uh, which is fantastic, mm. I think. Yeah. This a uh, shift in oh sorry. No, it's all right. I was gonna say it's it's interesting when you mention those cities then and, and the trek or you know, looking at that graph and instead of seeing a big peak or a big trough, whatever it may be, how it has kind of just maintained that steady growth. And and looking at Liverpool for the last what twelve months, seeing ten and a half percent price growth um over the last yeah. twelve months and and still achieving yield, you know, okay, for a new build, you're looking more around five and a half percent. Um, but for existing second-hand or secondary homes, um, you're still getting rental yields between eight to to twelve percent if you pick in a, a student, you know, more student-centric area. But that's incredible. Uh, you know, price growth is a massive bonus, and, and that's something that we're looking for in an investment. But then getting some really strong rental returns and a rental market that's sustaining its growth as well. It's uh, it's not just a, a twenty-four-month phase, and then we're seeing people move out of the city. Um, it's managing mm -hmm. to retain its its residents. Uh, people want to be in these cities, um, and, and now we're seeing the the market trends really illustrate uh, what we have seen over the last twelve and, and eighteen months with that shift up to these cities. So I think it is. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's a fascinating point. And then uh, London is an odd one. Uh, it's it performs in its own little beast, doesn't it? Um, but now you know we we're starting to see prices creep back up slowly. There's I think a bit more competitiveness for the higher end of the market and and people um who are kind of that sub you could say sub four million pound mark it's moving a bit slower um but the yeah. appetite is definitely coming back for london and, and the i think it has a part of international investors have a part to play in that as well uh in wanting to have some uk real estate and take advantage of how there hasn't been as strong a price growth over the last 12 months in london at least uh, and they can get in for for a decent price now really great opportunities out there like yeah when you combine that like capital appreciation with the rental yields and you get the targeting just right you you just look at it and go like well, what else is going to beat this other than just like random bets on cryptocurrencies <laughs> great for volatility let's say um, <laughs> if you're looking at like a 10 percent year on year price growth and you're managing to get like a 10 percent gross so let's call it like a seven percent eight percent net yield yeah it's 18 you're yeah that's amazing it's impressive and you, yeah you're not getting that with your money sitting in the bank you're not uh, definitely not getting that sort of return uh you can take a risk on the the crypto but tread with caution at the end of the day <laughs> i'll be staying yeah. away for a little bit longer i think um but yeah a very very good point now i guess we've uh we've touched on the emerging markets in a sense but have you hmm. seen so we've we've identified that there's really You've got London and then you've got your Birmingham, your Manchester, your Liverpool, Leeds uh, and those cities, so to speak. But have you started to notice in your data a bit of a shift towards places that you wouldn't have thought of investing in before? 
um, over the last 12, 24 months, really. Yes, yeah, is, is the short answer. I, I took a look at, uh, at Bristol. It came to mind simply because one of the people on the team has, has moved there. Um, I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on in Bristol. And then compared Bristol to Birmingham and found out you, you're getting a higher yield in Bristol and properties are renting faster than in Birmingham. So, you know, pound for pound, put your money in Bristol. <laughs> Yeah, which that's you incredible. know is not like normally on the kind of the top five list, is it? No, exactly. A, but it's a great city. Yeah, it's and it's also a very well developed city as well. It, it should be up there with the likes of of the four that four or five that we have mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. But that's interesting to know, and I I think we'll continue to see these cities evolve. One that I keep speaking to uh, Dominic Neshi about, the co-founder of Wealthy, is uh, Newcastle. I see a massive amount of opportunity in Newcastle oh, yeah. um, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the impact of the Saudi Arabians taking over or the Saudi Arabian consortium taking over Newcastle Football Club is going to have to play on the city um, but I think that's another one that's uh, worth noting for sure be an interesting yeah. one to watch I think definitely no Newcastle is a great great place I mean they got the university there and yeah it's a really strong market yeah Definitely. Were there any other cities that, that stood out to you or was it, you know, Bristol was the main one that stood out above the rest? Um, I suppose off the top of my head, that, I mean, that was the one that, that, that popped out at me when I was just kind of anecdotally looking at it the other day. Yeah. Um, I mean, if one, there's some other areas that I've got in mind that are sort of good investment locations. Yeah. There's one that I've been holding on these to. Ones. <laughs> two years now and I, I checked in on it the other day um and it's it's dagenham in east london hey i think it's pretty good um because the yields there are still relatively high and even though prices have gone up about 15 percent in the past couple of years i think there's still quite a lot of potential there interesting um so i actually I gave that recommendation a more detailed one actually to a, a recruiter who worked for us a little while back and he actually bought and he, he's apparently done very nicely from it so that's an interesting one because i guess uh, the, yeah the good thing about these areas that are just outside of london as well is the fact that we're continuing to see that rippling effect coming out of london as well so if you can manage to get into an area like dagenham for example or you know even uh, if you look at west or yeah look at west london and, and places like slough for example um which are undergoing massive transformation now you can get in for a, a pretty good price point to, to own some you know london real estate you could say um yeah. and 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 capitalize on like you mentioned some really or some relatively high yields uh, and prices that are going to continue to grow quite strongly over the next or the foreseeable future you could say as well so that's a that's an interesting one that worth noting were there any others that were on the the tip of your tongue in terms of areas that you'd be investing at the moment i'm giving it all away um so <laughs> central central manchester and central birmingham uh coming back to this kind of regeneration piece with all these new developments because there's there's a lot that's been built and there's still more to come um and i think that's just going to keep changing the the landscape and the nature of the center of those cities so definitely. i would definitely take a look at that and then uh, Ashford, you know, the, the, the stop that is on the, the Eurostar between London and Paris, which I never really understood why it stops in Ashford, but it does. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting one, that. <laughs> I wondered, like, how did some planning person at Ashford manage to persuade someone on the train line to stop exactly. it? 
<laughs> and now you've got uh, net you've got netflix and i think amazon have a warehouse down there as well there's a few big businesses that have really? moved into the area yeah it's uh it's really transformed um yeah i think with the help of the Eurostar, and it goes to show the power of these connectivity links as well um but yeah it's it's managed to get some very affluential businesses down there in comparison to yeah. the area somewhere you wouldn't think you'd have a, a massive amazon warehouse or a netflix studio but there you go it's a it's a yeah. fantastic opportunity on uh well, actually, on... um, oh sorry i was just sorry. gonna say <laughs> that i saw that yields on flats were really good there um yeah. and that the capital appreciation on houses was kind of just shooting up That's so it's uh yeah. Yeah, it's one to watch on the topic of connectivity what part of, um what part of the hate how do you think hs2 is going to be or have an impact on birmingham what sort of impact do you think it'll have on birmingham is there any predictions that you can give in terms of, of growth you might or people might be uh expecting so no no hard numbers but it's it's pretty obvious that if you improve the connectivity of a location the the value does tend to go up um i think i think it's going to be a relatively long play in some ways so you, you obviously had the announcement of it and then you had like little pops and ripples of, of pricing and then as it actually gets closer to being reality you kind of have a smoother increase in in uh you know the value gain but in the same way as we're just talking about Ashford's there, where, okay, I didn't know that these companies had put warehouses in and then that brings employment yeah. and types. So you'll get these changes coming in the future on, on these different stops. You'll get, I don't know, Amazon sticking up, maybe not Amazon sticking exactly. a warehouse next. Let's just use that <laughs> as a hypothetical. Yeah. And then, you know, five years time or 10 years time, you've got even further appreciation around these connectivity points. No, definitely. I think it'll be interesting to to see how it does play out. And we've already seen PwC, KPMG, Goldman Sachs, uh, just to name a few, move up there. So I think we'll continue to see some some more large international corporate businesses um, and move into these cities, really, uh, which will be interesting. I'm I'm really excited to see how. I think the UK market over the next five ten years is a is an exciting place to be. I think a lot's gonna change uh, and it'll be interesting to watch what happens now last question from you um and and i know you've got to run shortly but the last question was how do you think the market will perform over the next 12 months uh or 12 24 months you could say so it's a question i get asked quite a lot and i really should have like a, an obvious answer to it but the thing is with a business like ours is that you see that there are thousands of sub-markets all doing their own different things for different reasons and so having a kind of an overview doesn't really do it do it justice it's like measuring the the average height between a tall person and a short person it doesn't really make sense for either of them um, you know i think overall you'll see the market continuing to go up you know there's been got crazy low interest rates and loads of money that's been printed and yeah. people are moving around changing their lifestyles in all different ways uh, you know, working from home as an example, moving to suburbs, moving back to the city, etc. So all this activity um, is going to have a an upwards impact, I think, on on prices and rents overall. Yeah. I think there's some areas where it's still potentially overstretched. Um, you know, in terms of the affordability, and whilst it has been, you know, prices and rents in those areas where it's been up, you know, a bit bizarrely priced, let's say, for too long, they have been coming down. They've probably got further to go. Um, yeah. So, you know, lots of variations, but 
I guess that kind of speaks to the advantage of, of having realized is you can spot those little locations and, and get on exactly. and trends in places. Exactly. Monitor the market. Monitor where you might be interested in the market for, for people out there listening. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good breakdown. I think it will be very interesting to see how these little sub markets do behave because UK performs in its own strange ways. Sometimes the UK real estate market doesn't. And you'd think in some cases that there's multiple countries within the UK in the way that it does behave and the trends that you do see. But I think it's uh, yeah a good point, a good way of putting it. Uh, and something to monitor over the next 12 months. So that's great. Thank you very much for joining me today, Gabriel. I really appreciate it and understand you're a busy man. So I am uh, very, very thankful for having you on today. Uh, and for everyone out there listening, if you want to go and check out Realize, we'll leave a link in the description below uh, and feel free to reach out to Gabriel and his team and, and they'll be more than happy to, to lend a hand and, and give you a demo of the platform. It's a great platform and a great tool and something that I'm sure we'll be using very often uh, as we continue to grow wealthy in the UK. So thank you once again for joining me. It's been a pleasure. I've been an honor to have you here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much for the invite and have a, a great day and look forward to speaking again soon. I will. Thank you very much.